show. Now, although his name may not be as recognisable to the average Irish person as others who were involved with the War of Independence, Bulmer Hobson most definitely played his part in the struggle for our freedom. A film about the man called Remembering Bulmer Hobson will be screened in Newmarket on Fergus this evening. To find out more about the film and the impressive life story of Bulmer Hobson, I've been speaking with the man behind the film, Angus Mitchell. Bulmer Hobson himself, very interesting guy, and indeed the fact that he's not that well known. I mean, you know, this is a guy who uh, the historian and author Charles Townsend described as the IRB's leading strategic thinker who played a leading part, perhaps the leading part, in the mobilisation of a credible Irish liberation movement in the decade before 1916. You know, perhaps it's not going overboard to describe him as one of the key architects of the Irish Revolution, yet we're all familiar with names like James Connolly, Patrick Pierce, Joseph Plunkett, Sean McDermott and so on. Why not Bulmer Hobson? Well, I think part of the problem with Bulmer Hobson is the fact that he was from a Quaker Belfast background and he was, for that reason, uh, to some extent written out of the narrative because his initial kind of revolutionary impetus, if you like, was devoted to preparing Belfast for the sort of regime change, I suppose, is what we call it now. And he remained very active in Belfast until about 1907 and then gradually made his way into early Sinn Féin and then became very close to the IRB leadership in the US, in America, and then got taken into the IRB and very quickly rose through the ranks and actually did a great deal to reform the IRB from within. And then, of course, the big uh, contribution I suppose he makes was the work he did founding Nafina Aaron. And what Bulma Hobson was great at at was um, organisation on the ground. He was very, very capable of organising young people and, and inspiring them to really see the world differently. And he was also a very able writer and was a leading editor and contributor to what's called the Mosquito Press of that time, which was the advanced nationalist newspapers. Really combining all those different skills, he, by about 1912-13, is really at the centre of organising different parts of the kind of revolutionary leviathan as it's becoming. And then, of course, also plays a leading part in 1913 in the founding of the Irish Volunteers. But I suppose the big issue with Bulmer Hobson was that at the, at, at the very heart of him was a a desire really not to take up arms. And although he's really associated with the arming of the volunteers, he has a real crisis in actually using those arms. And that that really is a direct conflict with his Quaker beliefs because he is ultimately, uh, I suppose, a a man of peace, despite the fact that he is perceived as very much a man of of revolution and of of arming the volunteers. I suppose when 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 the when the moment comes in 1916, despite all the work, huge amount of work he's done in actually organising, he ultimately comes to grief and with with uh, essentially a, a sort of breakaway group within the IRB led by Tom Clark and Patrick Pierce. And Bulmer had always hoped that, you know, revolutionary change might be achieved through peaceful means, just getting just so many people in Ireland to essentially essentially kind of take on the 
authorities in different ways that uh, it, Ireland would become ungovernable. But Pierce and Clark had very different ideas, as did uh, the IRB by that stage. And uh, when 1916 happens, he went on the eve to meet with Patrick Pierce along with Owen McNeill to try and um, stop Pierce from essentially taking the step that neither McNeill nor uh, Hobson wanted. And I think part of the reason is that he ended up on the wrong side of the history of 1916. So he's when, when, when the rebellion breaks out, uh, Bulmer's actually sort of put under house arrest by some of his com colleagues, uh, comrades in the IRB. And for the first three days of the rising, he's essentially sort of, you know, told not to move. And then after the rising, he falls out massively with the IRB and his life takes on a very different path. Angus, you have previously argued that were it not for Bulmer Hobson, the revolution may never have happened. But then you even think of recent times, you know, we're coming to the end of the decade of centenaries and his name and his story is notable by its absence from the, the, the past 10 years or so of commemorations. Is your film Remembering Bulmer Hobson an attempt to counteract that? I mean, the reason I got involved with this project was that Bulmer Hobson died in a house in Castle Connell near uh, Limerick in 1969, August 1969. And it, he was really one of the sort of key leaders of the, of the rebellion, if you like, or certainly the years leading up to the rebellion, who had managed to survive so long as to actually sort of put his story on, on the record. And F.X. Martin, the Augustinian priest, who in many ways is credited with writing some of the earliest history to do with the rebellion, he became quite close with Bulmer Hobson and in many ways placed Bulmer Hobson in, in the 1960s history of the rebellion uh, to commemorate more or less 50 years uh, since it had happened at the very heart of that narrative. But I think then there was a kind of reaction to Bulmer Hobson. And again, I think the politics of the North really interfered too. There was a reluctance really to place someone who was so obviously associated with Northern nationalist Protestantism at the very heart of, um, of that narrative, especially in the South. And then I suppose in, in, in Northern Ireland, he also has not had an easy path to being remembered. And I, I think, again, interestingly enough, some of those people who engage with Northern Protestants, and I'm thinking here of um, someone called Claire Mitchell, who wrote an interesting recent study called The Ghost Limb about these Protestant figures uh, in the North who had very much identified with 1798 and the Republican movement, but have been very, very definitely disremembered in the Northern narrative. So I, I think there are a lot of forces at play that have made Bulmer Hobson rather kind of anonymous and a somewhat erased figure within the narrative. But, I, but as Charles Townsend says, I think people who, again, are conscious of the history recognize the huge role he did play. And I suppose the film was just an attempt to in a very straightforward, somewhat factual way, just to tell his uh, story and to remember the unveiling of the monument on the house where he died in 19, 
69, where mo- many of his family gathered with the, the, his grandchildren who are still alive. And in fact, his, um, interestingly enough, his son-in-law is still alive. Bulma Hobson's son-in-law is still alive in, in his 90s and still lives in the house where Bulma died. So there, were, there was a lot of sort of, in a way, local interest in him. And I tried to, in some way, in different ways, capture that in the film and had a, have a few interviews with uh, members of the family speaking about him. Well, it is well worth seeing, remembering Bulmer Hobson, a timely reminder of a man whose life and contribution to Irish freedom deserves to be better remembered. You can see the film. It's a 30-minute film. It'll be shown on the Small Hall in Newmarket on Fergus on Monday, the 27th of February from 8.30pm. The director of Remembering Bulmer Hobson, Angus Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us on Morning Focus. Uh, Thank you, Alan. Thank you very much.